another episode of Just for Sport here on Monday for the Props Network. Uh, for your viewing and betting pleasure, I'm Jamo K. Davis. We got a great show for you today. Uh, we're live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook every Monday and Thursday at noon. Uh, and of course, also, if you're not watching us live, then you maybe are listening as a podcast. And we appreciate that as well. We are going to get into the NFL playoffs, recap the wild card games, and look ahead to the divisional playoff futures. Bo knows college football. Will we have a college football game tonight? I assume it's still on. I believe it's still on. But at the same time, I have heard about um, them being a uns- little unsure about how the game will be played, but it's or how well it's going to be. We'll see how that goes. Bo knows college basketball as well. A lot of postponed games, but we got some three top 25 matchups coming up on Tuesday. Had a great game between Texas and West Virginia over the weekend, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, what Shaka Smart's doing down there in the Lone Star State. The NBA season. I tell you what, if I say we're having COVID issues, you know that already. But my thing is now that we've seen the very first, the very first postponed game between the Heat and Celtics due to health and safety protocols and starting to see more and more injuries, what that means for the NBA season coming up. Devil's Advocate. Is there a line that we need to draw in the sand that, okay, we're getting a little too far with mixing the politics and sports, or there can't be a line? And it's just going to just mix. And I'm going to discuss that in Devil's Advocate. And as I was following up on the uh, FA Cup over across the pond, there are a number of players that came out of nowhere. You know, you want to talk about uh, the Washington football team having Taylor Hinkie, you know, a student at Old Dominion taking online classes. And then all of a sudden he's the starting quarterback for the Washington football team. Well, there were some wild things happening in the FA Cup that, uh, yeah, sports you may not care about, but we're going to talk about it. But first, let's start with the NFL Wild Card Weekend. And Bo and I, as before we went on live, I mean, my household is disappointed. Bo, I don't know what, you you jumped on there, then you went off. Bo, the, the Steelers and the Washington football team go down. So at least in terms of appointment vo- viewing for watching your team, it's over in our house, but I'm still going to enjoy the playoffs. How about you? Let's get some sound going there. I have to say, I when they first announced the change, to the wild card format, I was a little hesitant. Um, I think that there, are, maybe this season especially, there were I thought there were two teams, at least in the AFC, maybe less so in the NFC, that had kind of earned that buy 
I think losing that second team that has a bye has hurt the league a little bit. But I love the two straight days of three games back to back to back. I thought the wild card expansion went really well. I thought all the games were competitive. I mean, even the worst game of the weekend, arguably the St. Chicago game, that was entertaining. You know, it was a really good defensive first half. The Saints kind of pulled away down the end there. But I thought that, you know, for the NFL, for everything that they've gone through with expanding the playoffs, I thought it went really well. Uh, this first season, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this going forward. You know, there's been a lot of talk the last couple of years about expanding the season. I think that this is better than expanding the season to a week 18 or whatever. Um, you know, if you want to find a way to work in another buy, I think that'd be great. Um, but overall, I'm a pretty big fan. And yeah, I am looking forward to the rest of these playoffs. Obviously, um, kind of an adjunct Steelers fan at this point, having lived in Pittsburgh for three and a half years now. So a little bit disappointed. I almost felt guilty. It felt like every time I switched the radio back onto the Steelers game uh, while driving back last night on the road, it felt like I was listening to another Ben Roethlisberger pick the second I changed that radio. So I almost feel a little guilty, almost a little responsible. But, I mean, that was a mess. But I will say I'm, I'm excited for some of these matchups going forward. I think uh, I think there's a lot of good games to look forward to. So the funny thing that we we didn't talk about, we both were on the highway probably around the same, well, hours apart. I got home from uh, D.C. right as the game was starting, and as yeah, I, I was about, I was about an hour or two behind you. An hour, right? Right. <laughs> As soon as the start of the game, first 14 seconds, the bad snap and the touchdown, my wife was like, all right. And then it was 14, like, nope, maybe it's, I know, the jinx. I'm watching. I can't watch. And she was like, I'm done. Not that she gave up on the team, but the same thing you're talking about, you've, she felt like she was jinxing the team. I got to turn it off. Let's, let's you know. Let's see where the game goes. And we turn it back on in the second quarter. Um, I watched a little bit more than she did, but it was, it just, when the game started that way, you immediately say, this isn't Steelers night. It's just not yeah. Steelers night. This, the, it, it just, it was sad. It really was sad. And to see Cleveland play, they got out to a 28 to nothing lead. At one point, did you feel like it was over? Because when it was 21 nothing, I was like, okay. 28, I was like, uh, that's tough, especially when Ben Roethlisberger was turning the ball over. Yeah, I, um, I mean, there is a very specific point where I kind of, because I got home right around halftime, and I was able to get it on the TV at that point. And I think when I saw... Tomlin punt from the Cleveland 40 Yeah, on like fourth and two instead of going for it. That was – they had started to claw back in that game. I think they'd put up 17 at that point. They'd gotten it to a two-possession game, and I think it was right then when they punted, tried to play the field position instead of being aggressive and trying to make a move and cut into that lead even more. That was when I was like, okay, maybe this isn't happening. Maybe this is just a little bit out of reach here. Because you know for Cleveland, if they had gotten that fourth down, every fan and the players would have said, uh-oh, here we go again. Especially when you didn't have the head coach, Kevin Stefanski, on the sideline. 
Like this was the wildest game that I can remember, not so much under COVID times, but just in general, where it's like everything was set up for Cleveland to not win. And the fact that they found a way to win is hats off to them. That's all you can that's all you can say. Uh going to the other game. The Ravens get down 10 0. They end up winning 2013. Lamar Jackson gets the monkey off of his back. What did you think of that game? How exciting was it? And my thing for me was I like Travis Henry, but I really want Derek to what I say? Derek Henry. Oh, I said Travis. Okay, yeah, Derek Henry, my bad. I, I like him as a running back. I like his season, but I want to see more Lamar Jackson. Now we get yeah. to do that. Yeah, and I think the Ravens, first of all, did a really good job containing Henry. I think he only had somewhere around like 50 yards rushing. He really didn't have the impact on the game he does. Um, you know, you expect him to have in a lot of situations, especially – 40 like yards. This. He only yeah. had 40 yards. Exactly, exactly. Um, as to the whole story, as to this whole quote-unquote narrative, a word that I don't necessarily <laughs> like, I think it's ridiculous. He won. He wins an MVP – and then they lose one playoff game, so all of a sudden he can't succeed in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Guy's 24. He's been in the playoffs, what, twice before this? Yeah. yeah. I think to, to put that reputation on him this early at this point in his career is just ridiculous. And so to see him get that long-awaited playoff win was really good because now it'll shut up a lot of those people who have been saying that. Yeah. Um of Saturday's games, I was surprised how close Baltimore-Indianapolis was. Um, I thought that Buffalo would basically keep that momentum from the end of the regular season. It was just such a dominating performance out of them to end the season that I was more impressed with Indianapolis to go – yeah. into Buffalo and keep it as close as they did. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of the discussion, I think, in the next few months is going to be about aging quarterbacks right here in Pittsburgh with the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, but also Indianapolis with Phillip Rivers because I think you saw a lot of what Phillip Rivers could still do in that game, and then I mm-hmm. think you saw a lot, especially down the end, of what he can't do. I think it was very telling when his Hail Mary pass on the last play of the game – didn't reach the end zone. Mm-hmm. It didn't reach the goal line. And I think, you know, if Frank Reich maybe wants to go get his old buddy Carson Wentz in a trade, I think that's intriguing. Um, you know, if one of those teams that doesn't really have the same draft capital as some other options tries to put together a package for Watson, that could be intriguing. But I think both of those guys, um, you know, gave a lot in their respective games. And I think Rivers really put it all out there. Again, a guy that, you know, much more so than Lamar Jackson, hasn't really had success in the playoffs back in L.A. or in San Diego. Yeah. And so to see him kind of have that chance and have that opportunity, I think that was really cool. Um, but, again, you have to be really impressed with the way Buffalo handled that down the stretch. They handled it uh, well down the stretch, pulling out a victory. The Los Angeles Rams and Jared Goff handled Seattle – I was really surprised at that uh, score, that the Rams beat the Seahawks 30-20. to 20. Jared Goff, who 
realistically no one thought would even be playing today. Yeah. And then Wolford gets hurt and it's like, okay, we got to go with golf. And he was able to miraculously pull it out. I, What's more, were you more impressed with golf in the Rams? Because he knew the defense would be there or the lack of offense from the Seahawks? Yeah, that's a good question um, because I think it is telling that the big question now on everybody's mind is, you know, if Jared Goff was this good, why wasn't he just starting? Mm -hmm. And I think it's telling, um, you know, for him and for what he was able to go out there and do for his team, even though clearly, you know, McVay and the rest of that coaching staff and management didn't think he was in a healthy position to start. They were comfortable going out there with Walford and Walford looked good, you know, before mm -hmm. he took that hit from Adams and had to leave in an ambulance. I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, but Seattle, you, I think, if, I don't know kind of what to make of them because, you know, they went out again, they make the big move for Jamal Adams. They aren't able to re-sign Clowney. They go get, um, Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals to kind of shore up that defensive line. But Russell Wilson, when we began this season, was basically the MVP favorite. And I think through week eight, I'm sure we can go back and look at the odds on DraftKings at some point. But through week eight, he was basically the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. Yeah. And I think he and that offense really fell off down the stretch. And again, I think it was very telling – to see the reactions of DK Metcalf on the sideline. You know, you talk about how the Ravens were able to limit Derrick Henry. Jalen Ramsey and the Rams were able to do basically the same thing with DK Metcalf. He does get that one touchdown, but he was really limited overall. And I think his frustration obviously showed on the sideline and showed how the Rams were really able to kind of take him out of the game and how that affected the Seattle offense overall. And the interesting thing is you think about what the – Rams defense was able to do without our uh, proud yeah. pit player, Aaron Donald. He was sidelined with a rib injury for most of the second half, and they were still able to, to pressure Russell Wilson, which you would think a veteran quarterback would kind of be able to, you know, he just didn't seem as mobile as I thought he would be to be able to get out of some of the pressures Missed a couple of passes. As you mentioned, DK, DK Metcalf being frustrated. The pick six that Wilson threw uh, really hurt Seattle. And uh, I just, I don't know. It, it just, I was amazed to see a bad Seattle team. Last game, we knew that the Tampa Bay Bucks were going to win this game. We knew it. But I think that Washington football team played better than I thought they would. And I was excited because looking at our predictions, uh, going four and two in the playoffs was great as far as um, our predictions. And uh, I had Washington at minus nine. So yeah. I get the win there, right? Yeah, I think, I think you held out just long enough. <laughs> I think they jumped to – that was interesting. That was – is they jumped to like minus seven right around. Mm -hmm. And then they announced that Smith wasn't active and Heineke would be starting. And I think it jumped all the way back down to, to, to minus nine for the Buccaneers. So you got some good value there. And I mean, as a Washington football team fan, how do you assess Taylor Heineke? I mean, is this a guy 
that you want starting at the beginning of next season? No, I don't think so. <laughs> That's simple. The, the, the reason why, and I'll get to it also later in the show about if that I'm torn, but I also feel like this is you ever said you ever see the video on Twitter? There's this one guy who every year he posts a video. He buys every Washington football team quarterback's jersey. The number of jerseys that he has is ridiculous. We have got to reach a point where we're not just settling for, oh, he had a couple of good games. No, I would rather us find a way to get a Matthew Stafford, get get a quality quarterback in here versus someone who most teams don't have a book on him. I was even tired during the game how they were like, oh, he actually was backing up Tom Brady. And so he learned from Tom Brady. Tom Brady wasn't even looking for the dude after the game. The the kid was like, oh, where's Tom? Where's Tom? And Tom was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. No, this guy, let's not act like he studied under Tom Brady and he's a second coming. He can go back to Old Dominion. We made it through the playoffs. Go back and go back to school. Maybe he could be a backup. But no, I think we need to not lose focus of we need a starting quarterback, assuming Alex Smith doesn't say I want to come back because his record, barring his injuries, was pretty good when when he was actually starting. What was he, 5-1? and one? Something like that. So I don't like it. I just don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it. But I am proud of Washington football team for even doing what they did. Um Let's look ahead. What are your thoughts on the early matchups? And we don't have to go into detail because I know that that we're going to do that on Thursday. Um, I oh, actually, I would like to say one other thing. Did you watch the Nickelodeon version of the Saints nah, Bear game? I did not. What? Because that was like right around when I left. That was made for me. Doing my crazy play by play. What? I, no, I, I mean, I was able to experience it vicariously through the Twitter memes and everything that I've seen on the internet. Um, I'm going to go back on YouTube and see if I can find, like, clips of it. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think all we need to know about that is Mitchell Trubisky winning, what was it, MVP? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was neat. I, I That's the future of America right there. I, you know, they want to find a way to get the young fans to watch it. I liked it. I wish that I could have been doing the play-by-play. I, I, it was like my, although I do, I would take any play-by-play job. But I just enjoyed that kind of game and appealing to the young kids. And the only thing is I feel like there were times where they got a little too technical in the way they were calling the game, that I think that the lingo should have been uh, brought down to a kid's level if you're doing it on Nickelodeon. That's my only thing. That's my only thing. But uh, that being said, we've got the next round of games coming up. Which game are you most excited to see in any early uh, predictions on lines? Um. I think it's going to be interesting, right? Because you have a couple of these matchups that we got earlier in the season 
The one that jumps out to me, of course, is um, Tampa Bay and the Saints. Just because, again, you know, I think we've talked about it plenty on the show. First time that Tom Brady gets swept in a season by a divisional opponent, mm-hmm. and it's Drew Brees and the Saints. Can he avenge that? Can the third time be the charm for Bruce Arians and that Tampa Bay team as they try to get towards the Super Bowl? That should be a very interesting matchup. I think the um, the Chiefs play Buffalo. No, the Chiefs play uh, the Browns. The play, yeah, the Browns, yeah. That, I think, is going to be more interesting than people think. I think the Browns have already proved their worth, proved their mettle as a playoff team now after handily disposing of Pittsburgh. The Chiefs, again, you know, Pittsburgh, I think, was drawing a lot of the headlines with kind of their stagnant play down the stretch of the regular season. But I wasn't blown away by how uh, Kansas City was playing either. They struggled mm-hmm. to put away Miami in week 16. They hadn't exactly been clicking down the stretch. Um, you know, we'll see if playoff Mahomes gets activated, you know, how insane he becomes in his first action of these playoffs. But I think it's a good matchup. Um, I'm excited to see how Cleveland's run game fares against the Kansas City defense. Um, and Cleveland's defense is going to need to step up big. They got a little bit lucky at some points, obviously, with the start they had, like you mentioned, with the botched snap um, yeah. and a couple of the tip balls for interceptions. They're going to need to you know, force a similar kind of habit when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City offense. And I don't know necessarily if Cleveland's defense is up to it. So they're going to rely heavily on that offense to try to keep up. In my mind, I think the Packers win easily because the Rams were playing the Seahawks for the third time this season. They know each other te- each other well, and that played into that game. Ravens-Bills, I like Ravens for their experience, what they have. The Bills have also struggled against the run. So Dobbins, I could see him having a big day, and also you've got Lamar Jackson. Cleveland Browns, I think, again, to your point, they got lucky to start the game, and that already put Pittsburgh, uh, you know, already they almost had to throw their game plan out the window because no one expected that. But I think the fact that they played them just last week and the trash talking and the rivalry, I think that the Chiefs, I, um, I would take the minus 10 right now. But that's not my official pick. And I love seeing Bucks Saints again. I mean, it was a game to start the season, to kick off the NFL season. Uh, it'll be a tough battle. And I think you will see a different Buccaneers team this year. And maybe it's a revenge game because, you know, Drew Brees really, really embarrassed uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks in Tampa. So that's where I think this – I think that's that's the game I'm really looking forward to seeing. All right, Saints, when we come huh? – Saints minus three early on draft games. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, I could see the game being that close. I really could. I really could. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk college football playoffs. We've got Alabama and Ohio State, and Bo knows college football, and he'll go over that game with us right after this short read bet mgm is a new online sports book that is taking over the online betting nation not only does bet mgm have some of the best odds on all the major sports but they also offer some of the industry's strongest weekly promos 
This week at BetMGM, you can get a free $20 in-play wager when you bet $50 or more on any live NFL game. Or you can get up to $100, up to a $100 free bet in the free-to-play Pick 3 First Touchdown NFL Challenge. And as always, you'll get a $10 free bet in the Money Monday Club, uh, which there is no Monday, uh, Monday night football. So that actually is gone. But that's not all. Right now, BetMGM has a special signing bonus for the Props Network listeners. All you have to do is create a new account at BetMGM and use the code JUSTSPORT20 to get a 100% match on your first deposit up to $500. And, of course, when I mentioned Monday, Monday Club is going, I mean, as far as NFL, because it's only Saturday and Sunday. That's right. Just enter code JUSTSPORT20 and up to $500 bankroll is yours. You must be 21 or over to bet online. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So we've got the college football playoff championship tonight. Alabama versus Ohio State. The last time these teams met, it was in the very first college football playoff in 2015. Urban Meyer was the coach at Ohio State. Cardell Jones was the quarterback. Huh? 12 gauge. Oh my gosh. That was a long, that seems like a long time ago. Uh, six years. The Buckeyes won that all state sugar bowl 42 to 35. That was a semifinal game. Then they went on to win the national championship since then. Uh, yeah. Nick Saban in Alabama, they've won two national championships. My question to start for you, Bo is, is Ryan day ready for this kind of spotlight playing, uh, on the biggest stage? Yeah, and I think that's a good question. Um, I think when you look at that last matchup, Urban Meyer, obviously, he's a guy that's been there, done that. He was there with Florida. Um, he'd gotten close to there with Utah and your boy Alex Smith back in the heyday out there out west before coming east to Florida and then to Ohio State. You know, he's an experienced guy. You know, he was someone who had had that experience, had that championship pedigree, and knew what he was doing. For Ryan Day, this is going to be really his first taste of this stage. Obviously, been to the playoffs before last year against Clemson. Um, didn't quite get there. They do get there in the semifinal this year against the Tigers. But now it's the big test. It's Alabama. It's the college football playoff final in Miami. It's all comes down to this. And I think Ryan Day is going to have his work cut out for him in preparing for probably a team coached by the greatest coach in college football history, Nick Saban. Alabama is favored at minus nine, over under at 75. On the other side of the field, you got Justin Fields. As I brought up in our last episode, I would say that in my mind, I would like for them to move the Heisman Trophy voting until after this college football playoff is over. I think that it's just important to talk about an MVP with what they do in the playoffs. I don't understand these awards that come before you actually see the players that could potentially win the award in the biggest game. What if Devonta, Devonta Smith has a bad game? It's like, well, was he really the Heisman Trophy winner? Justin Fields had a shot to get that award. Ryan Day had a shot to get that award. And I love the fact that they gave it to a wide receiver as we brought up. But when I look at this game, I think of this is the game where you look at to see 
who is the MVP of the team, who is a Heisman Trophy winner. I just don't like any kind of award coming before the, the, the last game. Yeah, and I think that's a fair argument. I think the counter to that is there is a, um, you know, there's a championship MVP. There's a semifinal MVP. There's a bowl game MVP. You know, if you want to reward players for their performances in that specific game, um, you know, you can with those MVP awards. I think there is a kind of mentality when it comes to the Heisman and these other big awards. Let's not let one game overshadow the entire resume of work. And I think the college football playoff selection committee has undertaken a similar mentality when it comes to their selection, looking at how, you know, the devastating loss for Notre Dame in the ACC championship game didn't kind of affect their ranking that much, didn't knock them out of the playoff field. And I think Heisman voters have done a good job of kind of encompassing that as well when it comes to the timing of that vote collection. And, you know, when you talk about the odds for this game, when you talk about, um, you know, looking forward to some of the player props individually, it's pretty even so far for for the odds. Like you've mentioned, Ohio State plus nine, they're getting 47% of the handle on DraftKings, 57% on the under at 75. That big number on this stage in this championship game scaring a lot of betters off. I said it on Twitter last week. I'm going to stick by it here. Over 75. Jalen Waddell <laughs> is questionable. He's a game-time decision. Ohio State had the opportunity to light up Alabama, and Alabama is going to be able to keep pace easily. I love the over in this game. 75 doesn't scare me at all. At all. The money line, minus 315 for Alabama, plus 240 for Ohio State, that handle 59% taking the money line for Alabama uh, and the percentage of bets, 56% are going to Alabama at that money line. Alabama is 8-4 and four against the spread on the season. Ohio State is 4-3 and three against the spread on the season. Do you even pay attention to that when you think about this game? And the reason I bring that up, one of my reasons for picking, going up a level in the NFL, picking the Steelers to beat the Browns was because of that track record. I think it was, what, 317-1 and one over the last 20 – that doesn't make sense. I guess it was 316-1 and one over the last 20 games, uh, playoffs and regular season between those two teams. But when I was watching the game, I was like, why did I even think about that? Who cares? We're talking about something that was, you know, five, six playoffs ago. Like playoffs. Like, no, th- let's just look playoffs. at this individual game and not think about what yeah. they've done in the past with the spread, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so. I, th- I think that that is the mentality, especially because when you think about it, when was the last time Alabama faced a spread that was under 10 points? Mm, yeah, <laughs> very true. Um. Let's look at some of – go ahead. Were you going to say oh, something? I was going to say, I mean, you want to take a look at some of these individual player props? That's exactly where I was going. Yeah. I'm glad we're on, we're the, on same the same page. Uh, let's see here. Mac Jones, total passing yards over 380 and a half or under 380 and a half. I am going to take the under at minus 127. 83% of the handle on DraftKings is, on, is with you there. That's a, I mean, that's a big number for 
um, a national championship game. I think I don't remember the exact stat off my head. They were, they were talking. The broadcast crew was talking about this during the semifinal. Um, I think Mac Jones has four four hundred yard uh, passing games this season, and Alabama only has like ten or so in their entire history. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at the offense this year compared to where Alabama historically is, it's a little it's a little different. I would actually lean towards the over. Like I said, I'm taking the over on the game total. So I think that this is going to be a, a high-scoring game. I'm also going to take um, Mac Jones over three-and-a-half uh, total touchdown passes at minus 103. Again, fading the public there, 78% of the handle, um, but just 49% of the bets uh, on the under there at three-and-a-half total touchdown passes. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Um when I look at Justin Fields, I am going to take the under at two and a half on touchdown passes because I think he's going to be reading his sermons. Trey Sermon is going to be getting the ball, especially if Justin Fields isn't 100%. Trey Sermon is going to be, to me, to me the key for Ohio yes. State to stay in this game. If he can run the ball against Alabama, I think this game will be closer than what you think. So I'm taking the under on touchdown passes at two and a half. And what else I like there is the Najee Harris and Trey Sermon head-to-head most rushing yards on DraftKings. Trey Sermon plus 135, 43% of the bets, 5% of the handle. 5% How is that possible? of the handle. I love that. I love <laughs> fading the public that big. <laughs> it's really bizarre. And uh, I am looking forward to, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to be taking some of these bets here. And I like long shots. And I feel like that's, who's that's your Who's your first touchdown score? Well, I would think if Devonta Smith, if anybody is saying he shouldn't have won the Heisman as I was kind of, saying that um i think that alabama looks to get him on the board first and assuming if alabama gets a coin toss which i'm sure that's on here too somewhere to bet on the coin toss i'm going with him at plus 350 to be the first touchdown scorer yeah i like that Najee harris at plus 300 uh justin fields at plus a thousand trey sermon plus 550 chris olave at plus 750 like i said jalen waddle we don't know for sure if he's going to play, but he's on there at plus 1,200 as well. If he's healthy, he might be the kick returner for Alabama, so who knows? Maybe his first touch since October goes to the house on a kickoff return. I'd love to see the odds on that as well. Yeah. I mean, to think that Devonta Smith had three touchdowns, 130 yards in that game with against uh, Notre Dame in the semifinal, you know, I imagine they're going to go to him uh, early and often. If nothing else, because, hey, you ride what's working. And although I do like Najee, I want to see Najee Harris do the Megan Rapino. If he scores, I want to see him do that. But, uh, yeah, I I like Devonta Smith. But for a long shot, I like what you're saying about Jalen Waddle at plus Minus minus 1250 Devonta Smith anytime touchdown score. Oh, my God. Minus 1250. (laughs) (laughs) It, he he's amazing. He really is amazing. And and I want to see, I want to put a bet on the last touchdown score as well, just because, I mean, I guess that doesn't, I guess in my mind, I want the last touchdown score. I want it to be like, what was that? Uh, 
Texas uh, back when yeah, – Yeah, the Rose Bowl, Texas USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to come down to the last play. You know, or, I want to see – Or even good Deshaun Watson a couple years ago against Alabama. Yes, very true, very true. Okay, so let's hope that we get that. Um, okay, so we got some good picks here. We got a lot on DraftKings. Uh, the top college football events by handle across DraftKings Sportsbook was uh, number three Ohio State Buckeyes versus Clemson Tigers on New Year's Day. Um, but then below that, I feel like at number three, Texas A&M Aggies versus North Carolina Tar Heels on December 2nd. It's just, I mean, January 2nd. I just find yeah, it interesting. You have to go all the way down to number seven to see the Georgia Bulldogs versus Alabama. That was gonna, supposed to be a good game. I don't remember it being that good of a game December, uh, October 17th. Um, that being said, if we can switch topics here, we're talking uh, college basketball now. Texas got a big win over West Virginia. Did you get get to see that game or at least see that last play? Yeah. I mean, and I don't know. I don't know how up to date you are on Andrew Jones and his story, um, but he's a leukemia. Survivor. I am. Okay. I am. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I, he's one of the players across college basketball that I'll root for no matter what. And I've loved watching Texas this year. Um, you know, we talked about that Kansas game a little bit last week. Um, and, and, I mean, that was just a fantastic game. West Virginia led for most of it. But Texas, they were battling in it. Um, just barely hit the over at the end. Um, a really just great game to watch. And, again, I just love to see Andrew Jones get those moments, get those chances to enjoy his college basketball career, which he has worked so hard to get back to after everything he's battled through. Yeah, I mean, that was amazing. You could see the emotion on his face, how, you know, happy he was to hit such a big shot uh, with just over one second to go in the game. Um, you know, he'll probably, no matter where his career goes from here, he will always remember hitting a big three for the Longhorns to beat West Virginia 72 to 72, 72 to 70. No burning of the couches uh, down in West Virginia after that game. Do they even do that in basketball? Probably. Yes? It's Probably. West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia. Oh, my gosh. That was, I have to admit, oh after, goodness. unfortunately, West Virginia beat Pitt, it was a wild scene to walk back to our car after the game and just see these burning couches. Which game? Oh, oh, in football? Yeah, back when I was going to Pitt. Like, to just see it and walk back to from the stadium to our car, which is awesome. I had the chance, actually. It's all the way up there. You can't quite see it. But I had the chance two years ago, um, the second of this new basketball backyard brawl, the yeah. first one at the Coliseum since they restarted the series – I had the chance to go down there for WPTS and call that game. And, I, I mean, it's it's awesome. The Coliseum is awesome. It's a great atmosphere. You know, it's it's just such a great rivalry. I'm so excited for the Backyard Brawl to be back in football as well. And I am almost always jealous of schools that aren't – oh, I love Pitt. Glad I went to Pitt. I love that it was in the city. But when you go to some of these schools where it's like the school is everything for yeah. that town or area, including – uh, Notre Dame was the same way. Virginia Tech, West Virginia are the three that I remember the most. Where it's just like this, the atmosphere is just so, it's just so amazing. Uh, my concern for 
college basketball is I love that we're going to get a bubble when they get to the college basketball tournament, a March Madness bubble, so to speak. I am curious how they're going to do the seeding with all of these postponed games that what you're going to end up with, if you thought it was bad, the controversy of Ohio State only playing six games, what's going to happen with this bubble with yeah. so many postponed games and how do you rank a team? It's almost madness unto itself. Just trying to come up with how they're going to rank these teams when they decide who's going to get that number one seed and what bracket you're going to be. You know, all it goes into that, you know, the, the big night of uh, revealing uh, the, the brackets. Yeah. And I know you were excited to talk about those three top 25 games we have tomorrow night. But one of those has actually gotten canceled since we Already. went live here with uh, Baylor and West Virginia tomorrow night postponed due to COVID-19 issues, according to CBS Sports' John Rothstein. Um, I mean, this is – it's an issue now. I mean, we're seeing it here on the home front with Pittsburgh. Um, three or four now of their last five games have been postponed. Duke, uh, Florida State, Notre Dame, and now Georgia Tech which was moved from tomorrow to Wednesday and then postponed due to a positive test within the Yellow Jackets um, program. It, it's an issue across the board. Um, it's an issue for teams like Baylor where, you know, they're trying to contend for that number one spot. They're trying to prove that they're the best team in basketball, but they can't because their chance to do it against the other number one team in basketball in Gonzaga was postponed. Now their chance to go up against a really good West Virginia team postponed how is the rescheduling going to work how are these teams going to fit all these games in are they going to reschedule every game that they've lost and if they don't again like you mentioned with ohio state in the college football playoff how is the selection committee going to rank going to judge different schedules and different amounts of games played i almost feel like the best thing for them to do is to okay this is very radical. What do you think of a get them in a bubble and they play a conference tournament? So the brackets become a ACC bracket, a SEC bracket. And then it just feeds that, into like a bigger. Yeah, and that win, then when you get down to those winners, then you can say, okay, we'll have an ACC versus an SEC. Maybe that gets down to like the, uh, Elite Eight, right? Because you don't want to leave out some of the other, the, the WAC yeah. conferences and stuff like that. But maybe that's what it needs to do within the bubble. And that's the only way you could do it. Because, I, I mean, it just seems out of control to think that, in, although for financially for Indianapolis, I'm sure they're like, oh, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> we'll, take it. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, uh, the other matchups, assuming it's going to happen, right? Uh, Duke at Virginia Tech, Wisconsin at Michigan, two games I'm looking forward to seeing on Tuesday. Yeah. Also, um, two other games, good games I want to note. Alabama, Kentucky, and um, Tennessee – no, not Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Kansas, Oklahoma State. Um, Duke is Duke. You know, they look like they're finally getting a little bit going here with Matthew Hurt and some of their other guys. Uh, good win over Wake Forest. Close win, but a good win after struggling a little bit with Coach K out versus Boston College 
in the game before. Um, but this Wisconsin-Michigan game is going to be awesome. Two really good teams in the Big Ten. Michigan is yet to lose. Um, two top ten teams, again, number seven Michigan, number nine Ohio State. It's a very interesting matchup because Wisconsin is old. They're experienced. They have veterans. They're deep. Um, but where Michigan is strongest is with their true freshman seven-footer, Hunter Dickinson, down low. And that's not necessarily an area of strength for Greg Gard's Wisconsin team. They're more kind of with the Brad Davidsons and their veteran guards. Um, so it's going to be interesting kind of which team can play the game that they want to play more, whether Michigan can continue to feed it inside and let Dickinson work down low, or whether Wisconsin can, Wisconsin can keep it on the perimeter and make it a guard-heavy game. It's going to be a really great matchup. And, again, the other two games – um, Cade Cunningham versus Kansas. Kansas, again, still coming off that Texas loss. Um, they need to bounce back and prove that they're still cream of the crop uh, in the Big 12. Again, really deep conference. Cade Cunningham versus Kansas should be fun. And Kentucky finally hitting their stride. A couple wins for them in the SEC in a row. Good win over Florida last time out. They get the transfer from West Virginia, Oscar Shibway who left the Mountaineers program. He goes to play for Coach Cal and the Cats. Big game for them against Alabama. Another good contender in the SEC. It's going to be a great night of basketball, assuming, assuming. Assuming they all play. Knock on wood. Knock <laughs> on wood. Thank, thanks, Bo. Of course. Thank you. All right, as we look, we're going to shift to the National Basketball Association, but I first want to say thank you very much for, you know, uh, what we're doing here at the Props Network. We're, we're new, we're growing, and we've got some great content for you that I hope you have enjoyed as a podcast or watching on the live stream. We've got the walk-on with Joe Wolkowski as well as NBA picks and props with Dexter Henry and the guys uh, talking National Basketball Association. Uh, What we are doing at the Props Network is growing a network, a new network around sports betting. And if you go to propsnetwork.com, the offerings there for looking at odds and futures, live odds and future comparison as well, uh, we're giving you a lot of content and uh, Betty statistics, even for the newbies out there, you know, some instructions on how to bet. And uh, we appreciate the support so far and hope you will continue to, you can follow us on Twitch and TikTok and Facebook and Twitter, uh, even on Instagram. Uh, and obviously we're doing a lot of shows as well, so we really appreciate it and podcast please share and leave a review so uh as i look at what we're dealing with in the nba um unfortunately the heat and celtics game has been postponed due to health and safety protocols that actually affected the more than just the heat and celtics based on this protocol bradley beal and jason tatum they have a close relationship they were, you know, chatting after the game and got a little too close. And so, unfortunately, um, now because of the contact tracing, um, the Heat did not have the league required 
eight players available um, to play against the Celtics. And this contact tracing is happening more and more. Uh, Kevin Durant's been out for a while. Um, and I mentioned Bradley Beal. Uh, it had to sit out due to uh, COVID protocol. I'm not quite sure what this protocol is in place for in terms of the contact tracing. Because it's mind boggling and, and look, my hat's off to the, uh, the people who put the protocol in the place. It's not so much a criticism as much as these guys are playing on the court against each other anyway. Not like they're wearing masks when they were playing and then Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal took off their mask in the postgame and said hello. So I wonder if the league is having discussions that the Washington Wizards at 2-8 and eight had to sit the NBA's leading scorer at 35 points per game in a game because after the game he said hello to Jason Tatum and they were a little too close. In my mind, I am unsure if this protocol should be reassessed. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think the unfortunate thing with the contact tracing may end up causing more games to be canceled down the road when it didn't need to be. I, you know, I just, I don't know. It just seemed really weird, but that's my initial thought on the contract tracing. By the way, uh, yeah. two additional postponements coming in just now uh, between Shams and Woj. Mavericks and Pelicans tonight and then Celtics Bulls tomorrow night after the Mavericks shut down their facility on Sunday uh, due to Maxi Kleber's positive and a couple other contact tracing issues. Thank you, Bo. To my point, positive corona tests are one thing, and you should be postponing games. But I think the contact tracing needs to be reassessed. And we're going to, as we are with every sport, which miraculously, correct me if I'm wrong, Bo, the NFL made it through a season. They played every single game. Yes? Yes. Right? It wasn't always timely. You know, you go back to that Pittsburgh Steelers matchup that was played on Wednesday or whatever it was. Yeah, it was Wednesday. And yeah. then, the you know, the Ravens had to play the next Tuesday and the Steelers had to play the next Monday. Um, but, yes, they did play every single game. And just to clarify, the Mavs game is postponed because they cannot, due to contact tracing, like you said, they won't have the eight necessary players they need. I just, in my mind, I just don't understand – how this season is going to get maybe even beyond 50 games unless they rework the contact tracing. Do you have a positive test? Yes. But if we're, if we're now at a point where contact tracing is having games, causing games to be canceled, and you can't just bring up someone from the G League to fill a roster spot or two, I'm trying to remember which game. Was it the Philly game? where uh, 
uh, what's his name for Philadelphia 76ers? Mike, Mike, he played for the Wizards. How am I forgetting his last Mike name? Mike Smith? Is it Mike Smith who he he dressed? Mike Scott, Mike Scott. Mike Scott, he dressed, but he did dressed, he, he wore the Washington jersey at the Eagles tailgate that one time. He, he did, he did, he did. <laughs> he, um, he, like, was on the roster, but wasn't really on the roster, but allowed them to play this most recent game, if I remember correctly. Um, that way they had eight players. I don't, I, I don't know. I think you're going to have to allow for some G League players, um, you know, to be able to give them an opportunity to not end up in a situation where, which maybe they're okay with. I just don't want uneven games. College, I'm a little okay with it. Um, but I feel like it's going to get really weird if all of a sudden you find one team played 50 games, the other team, they played 64, another team was able to play 68. I don't like it. I don't like it. I mean, on the G League, look what the Wizards were able to do with Garrison Matthews. Yeah, yeah. Comes in, scores what, 22? If you've got the talent on your team, you should be able to bring them up and then play the game. That's my thing. If you if you got them, bring them up. I don't. I think that the canceling of games is a slippery slope, and I hope that after over the next the course of the next twenty four to forty eight hours, you're going to see something new in place as uh, NBA.com is now put on the website saying it is official because the Mavericks will be down two starters and a key bench player. Okay, bring somebody up. Bring them up. Let's play the game. Let's play the game because I'm really worried about that. Okay. Um, I really want to talk futures. I didn't want to talk futures in the NBA. I can't keep doing that every week, every week. After this read, I'm going to be talking about sports and politics and have we gone too far with bleeding them together. Uh, some personal um, I'm going to share my personal feelings about it, but I also, Bo, I'd like for you to chime in, but I'm curious. As, this is more of a question, but before I do that, I got to read. Thepropsnetwork.com is a place where bets begin. No, the Props Network isn't a sports book. It's where smart bettors and new players go before the sports book. So I should have said the Props Network is a place where bets begin. Why? Because the Props Network has a few things that all bettors need. Exclusive sign-up bonuses, reporting on weekly promos, free betting picks, and live odds comparisons for every game. Every game. A visit to thepropsnetwork.com before placing a bet guarantees that you'll be wagering with the best available bonus and getting the biggest possible payout if your bets hit or if your bet hits. But the Props Network isn't just another bonus site. We've also got great content. Follow the Props Network on social media, YouTube, and Twitch for updates all week from me on Just for Sport and the rest of the Props Network team. Get ready to bet with the Props Network today. You must be 21 or over to bet online. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Call them today. Don't want anybody has a problem to be out there struggling. So I've been trying to figure out where I fit in with politics 
and sports coming together. And this weekend, and, and look, it's probably happened plenty of times before that I just didn't really, it wasn't this close that I can remember, you know, outside of obviously following the NBA season in the bubble last year, you know, with Black Lives Matter and deciding to protest games, should we protest the bubble? What are we going to do? How do we get our voice out there? And last summer, it's not over. It's not over. But last summer was in many ways a new level of sports and politics, in my mind, coalescing. Players, teams, leagues speaking out against injustices, social injustices, racism, equality across the board. You know, you had all of the leagues, WNBA, NBA, NFL, MLS, MLB, tennis, golf. I saw a tweet on Saturday after the before the the Washington football team game is when the tweet came out. I didn't see it till after the game. Taylor Heineke, the quarterback for the Washington football team, is a known supporter of President Donald Trump. And someone was joking online, well, if he gets Washington football team to the Super Bowl, I'll walk him into the Capitol. We can storm the Capitol together. I don't care about politics if he gets the Washington football team to the Super Bowl. I think that it's made it a very tough time for all of us to be able to decide where we draw the line. And to Bo's point, when he asked me if I'm okay, if I would like to see Taylor Heineke as a starting quarterback for the Washington football team, first and foremost, I'd say even if I didn't know about these tweets, I would say no, because to me, he's, we're just, He's a Band-Aid. I don't see him as a starting. We didn't even want Kirk Cousins. Then we shouldn't want Heineke. Well, some of us didn't want Kirk Cousins. Some of us didn't want RG3. But then today I see that the PGA of America is, is not going to be having any of their events. They're going to relocate the 2022 PGA Championship, which was supposed to be played at the Trump National Golf Club, uh, Bedminster. They're taking it away. The quote from Jim Richardson, the president of PGA of America, in a statement on Sunday said, the PGA of, quote, the PGA of America Board of Directors voted tonight to exercise the right to terminate the agreement to play the 2022 PGA Championship at Trump Bedminster. It has become clear that conducting the PGA Championship at Trump Bedminster would be detrimental to the PGA of America brand and will put at risk the PGA's ability to deliver on many programs and to sustain the longevity of our mission, unquote. 
Seth Wall, the CEO of the PGA of America said, quote, we find ourselves in a political situation not of our making, where fiduciaries for our members, for the game, for our mission, and for our brand, and how do we best protect that? Our feeling was given the tragic events of Wednesday that we could no longer hold it at Bedminster. The damage could have been irreparable. The only real course of action was to leave. People, there is no going back. Politics has now been a... To see the PGA do this, we're not going in the other direction. You think about Tommy Smith and John Carlos in the 1968 Olympics and what they went through in losing their careers and the controversy that that was caused by, not so much losing their careers, but just what happened when they raised their fists on the medal stand protesting racial inequality. Well, now the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee committee will not punish athletes for protesting at the Olympics. They're going to allow athletes to be able to, on their platforms, wearing the American uniform, to be able to protest. Because athletes want to see change. And it seems to be the only forum that is allowed for your platform to be able to affect change. The PGA doing this is affecting change. My thoughts on whether Taylor Heineke should be a starting quarterback for the Washington football team, Bo, now that you're joining on, he can't be the starting quarterback anymore. His career essentially may be over because these tweets now came out. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with, um, you know, going back to your point about John Carlos and the Olympics. I actually had the opportunity through uh, one of my broadcasting classes here at Pitt. Um, The great Kevin Smith, who teaches that and runs the program, um, kind of set up a a Zoom interview with him, uh, the esteemed Mr. Carlos, to talk about his experiences and his life and everything that he's been through. Um, and something that stuck with me from from that experience was um, not necessarily, you know, the experiences, his experiences, but kind of the way he talked about Peter Norman, who isn't necessarily who's he was. Yeah, the Australian who was the third guy on that podium mm-hmm. and they gave him a button to wear. Um, I forget the exact button, but it was for the cause. Um, and he was completely ostracized in Australia because of, you know, not even, he didn't have his fist raised, but simply by being on the platform, by wearing that button and being associated with the protest, he was completely ostracized from the Australian Olympic uh, Committee, from the Australian track team, um, from everything that he had achieved. Uh, At one point, a world record holder. um, And Carlos, and uh, they were, I mean, they were his pallbearers when he died. And so, you know, those men maintained a very close friendship um, so I think that was a very powerful example. Um, and when you compare it to now the Olympic Committee allowing protests, I think it, it is truly 
um, a perfect demonstration of just how much things have changed in 50 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and then to your other point about the PGA, this, we all know about the president's kind of association with golf. You know, this is a sport that he deeply cares about. Um, you saw it the day after the incident at the Capitol where he's awarding the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Gary Player and some of the other great golfers of the time. Um, it's not a good look for golf at all. This is a sport that has always been one of the whitest among sports. When you look at the composition of the PGA Tour, when you look at the politics of some of its most notable players, when you look at the fact that the 2020 U.S. Open champion had Trump Golf as a sponsor on his bag when he won that event, I think the PGA coming out and separating itself from the 2022 tournament in Bedminster, it needed to happen, and it needed to happen now. It seems like from some of the reporting we've heard since this um, in the past week, basically, was that the PGA was waiting until after the inauguration, that they wanted to kind of just wait for things to kind of settle down. They didn't want to basically poke the bear when he still had control of the IRS is the general kind of reporting that's come out. Um, but I think it shows, you know, the fact that they moved this up and they announced it last night. I think it shows kind of the urgency that they feel and kind of the pressure that's now being put on them, which again, like you said, I think it's right. I think it's good. And I think it's needed. And then going back to what you just asked, you know, what do we do about, you know, any, a, a player like Taylor Heineke, who, you know, at a certain point is entitled to his own opinion. But what do you do when that opinion is so demeaning to your teammates, so demeaning to many of your fans, especially in the Washington area um, and the you know overwhelming number of you know black people in the district that support that team and that root for that team and that have given their that team you know years of their life and their support and their passion despite being basically spit on in the face by Daniel Snyder, the owner, and everything that that team stands for. Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, compare those two? How do you complement those two? And I think you're right. I think we are going to get to a point where it's just not going to happen. You are going to have to think of your brand as a kid. My little sons have to think of their brand and what they put on social media i i mean obviously i have to think about it too but it's just this level of everything you do it's not big brother watching it's the internet watching because you can you can think oh nobody's paying attention to me and g money man said i'm glad uh g money man if you can say what you're referring to what you're glad about I would appreciate it so that we can, you know, in, include your thoughts a little bit further into the conversation. It's, it's a thing that it's unfortunate where we are with sports. Everybody has a right to their opinion. And I'm sure there are people on the other side that are going to say, well, I don't like the Black Lives Matter, so I'm not going to support. I mean, obviously, we know what happened to Colin Kaepernick with kneeling, that it's this is it. This is it. If you are not for humanity as a people, if you are willing to say that I am better as a race than your race, 
if you are, you know, supporting someone that believes that you're in trouble. This isn't and shut up and dribble. That's way past now. Oh yeah, yeah. There, no one's shutting up, and they are going to dribble and dribble and dribble and dribble. And sports, it seems to me, is the best platform for it. As I brought up some time ago, actors, you know, they aren't all. They don't have uh, someone interviewing them every day or after every game. But I can't think of anyone else on a bigger platform outside of a politician. Yes. I mean, even someone like an Elon Musk or whatever, like I feel like sports is just the the most generic um, platform in terms of you can walk down the street and you'll see someone who's into sports, but maybe someone isn't into politics. I, I don't know. It just seems like it's the one platform that everyone kind of hears about and I, I have to recognize that maybe it's because I follow sports that I think that but uh it's over w- the way we knew it for you to kind of just live in your bubble it's not going to happen and for Taylor Heineke this may be the end of his career um especially because this stuff didn't come out until uh right before the game that he was a Trump supporter and Brady apparently was in the past I'd be curious if this affects him moving forward? I mean, what do we do about the news that apparently Trump is planning on uh, giving the the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick. What is Bill Belichick going to do? You know, what what does that do? Good point, Bo. Thank you for bringing that up. I should have wrote that in my notes because I did know that and almost forgot it. What is he going to do? You know, I think for Bill Belichick, for... uh, the New England Patriots as an organization, I think they have to say, dude, you can't accept it. You got to say thanks, but no thanks, because that can affect our bottom line now. And I think we accept the fact that it affected the, did it really affect the 49ers bottom line when, or the NFL's bottom line? I'd be curious if when uh, um, Colin Kaepernick and, Eric Reed started kneeling and other players were kneeling. I'd be curious if it affected their bottom line. But, you know, even today when players kneel, you still get some people booing. Even my one of my soccer clubs, Millwall FC. I'm still disappointed that some of the fans were booing players that were kneeling a few weeks ago. Um, It's tough. What do you do? It's a conundrum. Because the thing is, I think we would all agree that any president of the United States that ever said, I'm awarding you a medal of freedom, any medal of honor, for most people, you would say, yeah, man, the president gets to go to the White House, get to meet the president. Not in this situation. I guess you can't. You don't want to. All right. What you want to is care about the sports that I say you don't care about. Because the three stories out of the FA Cup bowl are just great. The first one, Mark Wright, a reality TV star, makes his Crawley Town debut in a victory over Leeds United 3-0. Crawley, who was a reality star on, um, he he did play as a youth uh, in the Premier League uh, clubs, West Ham, Tottenham, and Arsenal. 
Um, you can find the full story on ESPN.com, but I saw it on Twitter as well. Um, this guy basically was in, uh, he was a TV personality after he thought his career was done. Then he gets signed to, uh, a, a, a contract, a non-contract deal or non, I guess, long-term contract with Crawley and then goes out and beat Le- beats Leeds United. I mean, Leeds, a Premier League team, a team that won the championship uh, last year. Not necessarily the best showing to be upstaged by Crawley <laughs> 3-0. I was just amazed by that. And then to find out that Tottenham, who did... I mean, this was this was unbelievable. I love they, this. They did win their game 5-0. But to read that some of the players from Marine, I don't understand how the team included part-timers a teacher, a binman, whatever that means, and a car production line worker. A binman, I think that's like trash collector. Trash collector? Oh, I think that's British binman. for trash collector. A binman. Just whoever wants to play. I would I would love it if someday they're like, Jamoke Davis played for the um, the uh, D, the the DC, geez, what am I want to say? The DC Defenders, which I'm probably taking a, t- a team name against the Washington. That's the XFL team. What is it? What is that? That was the XFL team. XFL team. That was the XFL team against the Washington football team. What was he doing? He was hosting a sports and betting show on the Props Network before he was called up as a wide receiver and signed to a, a, a contract for one game. Like this is crazy. But it's awesome at the same time. It that, is. that that was pretty good. Cool. It is. I mean, I love I love the FA Cup. This is the whole point of it, where it's you know anybody any team can make it to this point, and any team has the chance to play um, a Premier League club like Tottenham. I mean, you look at I think my favorite uh, tweet uh, from yesterday or, or the day before, whatever it was, was one person uh, who lived next to Marine Stadium was just leaning out the window and said, oh, watching Gareth Bale from my window. And then <laughs> Gareth Bale replied with the wave emoji. <laughs> That's just it's, it's the magic of the FA Cup. It was really yeah. fantastic. And I think that when you think about how American sports are taking on some of these traditions from other teams, I know that at least in the NBA, you know, in the preseason when I worked there, you know, we played a team from China – um, you know, so you play some other teams, which is great for that team. Whether we'll see that in the NFL, I don't know. But I would say this. When you hear, oh, Alabama could beat the Jaguars, that's the game I want to see. That's what I would like to see. Just like we have Marine playing Tottenham, let's get the Alabama uh, roll, roll tie. Let's have them roll right into Jacksonville and play the Jaguars. You think we'll ever see that? No. No. <laughs> no, I do not. Well, what other semi-pro team are you going to get? Or well, I guess the NFL can never do that, huh? It's it's just different. It is. It's just different. Well, 
36, 36,000 virtual tickets they sold for that game. That's awesome. I mean, that's enough to sustain that club financially for the foreseeable future. Yeah. 100-year-old club. Love the history there on the Mersey side. I would like to see how uh, maybe Darren Ravel can can find this out. Uh, if the Marine jersey sales <laughs> went up considerably. Well, did you see? Did you see the Athletics sponsored them for the game? Really? Yeah. Wow. Great, great move on on their part. That's they had awesome. the, they had it right under the name on the jersey. They had so the other. I don't know if you saw this, but they have these numbers all yeah. around the because the stadium, like I said, the stadium was like right in between houses. Yeah, so they yeah. have the big fences, but if a ball goes out, they have numbers on the fence to tell the groundskeeper which ball, which house the ball went into. <laughs> and so on those signs was the athletics branding. So a, a great job by their advertising department. That's pretty cool. We should, get the prop, we should get the props network on that. Yeah, we should, should. sponsor a football Sam, team. Sam, we got to sponsor a football team like Ryan Reynolds is doing. They missed out on their AFC Wrexham. Yeah, that's right. AFC Wrexham. All right. Sports trivia. On this day in 1990, jockey Sylvester Carmouche commits one of the greatest frauds in horse racing history at Delta Downs in Vinton, Louisiana. In the race, in the race, the horses break from the gate, circle the track and finish in front of the grandstand. Believing that the dense fog would conceal him, Carmouche holds leading officer, a 23 to one underdog at the gate and sprints to the finish when he hears the other horses approaching. Landing officer seemingly wins by 24 lengths. Carmouche or Carmucci maintains his innocence, but the Louisiana Racing Commission slaps him with a 10 year suspension. Man, imagine if you had those odds, huh? That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Have you heard of, have you heard of the marathoner? That just like took a taxi to the finish line and like, um, dumped a bottle of water on her so she looks sweaty. I, I do it's not like the know same that thing. Story. Okay, same thing, same thing. Oh, uh, that's, that's pretty great. Funny. That was a great that's story. Great. All right. Um, I'm going to give, as we end the show, my daily pick. We're going back to the college football championship, which, by the way, player futures for a Heisman Trophy 2021 are already up. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's awesome. Check that out. Okay. I won't get distracted. We've got Ohio State versus Alabama. My daily pick, I am taking the Ohio State Buckeyes. I am going to take them at plus nine. I think this will be a closer game tonight. I think Alabama wins, but I think Ohio State covers. And there you go. The answer to all our questions is money, and we hope you can make some after watching this show, Just for Sport, or any of our other shows on the Props Network. That's it for today's show. Thanks for watching, everybody. Ciao for now.